0: Welcome back to Timely, the podcast where three friends talk about random, fun topics from the past, present, and the future. I'm John Stom, and for the past segment, I want to talk about a scientist who has a wild idea. That's kind of our thing, wild ideas? That's our thing. He dares to ask the question Is there an extraterrestrial
1: graveyard Buried under the earth (gasps) That's really wild that you're bringing that up Because I, producer Jeff Have the present segment And I'm going to be talking about UAPs Mm. Do you know what a UAP is? Unmanned Unmanned. aerial. Uh, That's what we're calling UFOs now, right? It's right. It's an unidentified aerial phenomenon. Oh! There have been recently leaked footage of a bunch of stuff that's out there. From the Navy? From the Navy. It's wild. We're going to talk about it because it's fascinating. I've heard a
2: little bit about this. It's amazing that you guys are talking about that because for my topic, we're going to finally be talking about how Google has just set in motion... The end of the world
1: (laughs) Okay Danny, is this for real? You always talk about The end of the world I think so (laughs) You just can't help yourself It's not my fault People keep trying to End the world I just think Anytime you look for Anything in the future To talk about You end up just Gravitating toward
2: the end of the world uh, Technically John Just saw this headline Didn't read the article And sent it to me Oh so it's
0: John's <laughs> fault It's my fault So okay. it was like
2: Danny This sounds up your alley
0: <laughs> <laughs> The end of the world Is going to be brought about By people who are Trying to save the world That's That's, that's the part. Part. the whole time yeah, yeah. Danny is saying
1: I told you so Yeah
0: exactly It's a curse Being right so often Okay alright Well also I sound a little sick today Because well I've got a little cold So sorry you're gonna Have to deal with that In the present You are sick That's true Yeah Also, speaking of the present, we have just gotten a shipment full of really awesome FAO Schwartz toys. We are
1: gearing up to make a bunch of videos for Sharper Image and FAO Schwartz and it's, Pretty cool stuff.
0: Yeah, we got a huge box and we are really excited to open it up. We're like kids at Christmas because we, we know who this is from. We open it up. It's a bunch of really cool new FAO Schwartz stuff that we haven't seen before. Laser tag guns, there's like some uh, some easel like some drawing easels that are really cool. I don't even know what it all is yet. We're we're just now starting to work on these videos that we're making for FAO for their Christmas
1: holiday season.
2: Now we get to play with the toys, which is the fun part that's of the, the job. Fun.
1: That's the best part. We So we ask FAO Schwartz to send us what's called a brief that gives us all the descriptions of the products, but we're not even going to use those. We're really doing our research by just unboxing these and playing with them. True. Because that is really the best way to learn about these things. And there's one that I'm pretty excited about. It's like a spin off of Rock'em Sock'em Robots except instead of them being tied to like this one boxing apparatus, they're RC. Yes. And, and that's going to be awesome. If you want to check out some of these awesome products from F.A.O.
2: Schwartz. Check out the link in the episode description. You uh, They're all available at Target right now. All right,
1: so let's head to the past.
0: All right, guys, welcome to the past.
1: I want to talk about something that happened a very very long time ago. Well, based on the way you kind of opened up the, the whole episode, mm-hmm. it ha- it. did it actually happen a really long time ago, or maybe? Okay. I, I, I maybe have
0: uh, hyped up everything that's that I'm going to talk about okay. a little bit. Did okay. you use a little creative license? Well, I used the word extraterrestrial, which made you think of aliens, which is not necessarily where we're going oh, here. Oh, meteorites. Now you're on to it. Okay. Okay. So, okay. scientists have... Long agreed that well let me let me let me just ask you guys, how did the moon form? Well, I was always told it was a chunk of the earth
2: that got knocked off from like a big old meteor or asteroid or something that yeah, hit poten- the earth.
1: Potentially even another planet.
2: Yeah, something something collided, knocked off this big chunk of thing, which
0: eventually became round as it orbited the Earth.
2: That's yeah. what I understand.
1: Yeah, the chunk of thing that was—that's what it knocked off. That became the
0: moon. The, the chunk of thing. thing. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so actually, you guys are right on. So scientists have agreed on that for a long time since like the '70s um, when these, this theory came out that a actually it was a protoplanet. It wasn't like a um, like a meteor. It was mm-hmm. a huge like in it, like a Pluto. Like a yeah, like it maybe even bigger. Like a lot of people think it was like maybe the size of Mars or maybe even the size of Earth. Wow. wow.
2: So this would be like early on, like the our solar system hadn't even really formed yet there's yeah. just like bodies flying around
0: lots of rocks and gases and all sorts of stuff flying around and this protoplanet which has a name it's called Theia mm. Theia Theia like princess Leia but with a th sure it sounds like a, yeah. a, a marvel character i know yeah it it sounds does.
2: like she'd be somewhere on asgard with thor yeah <laughs> she's called Thea the moonmaker
0: <laughs> yep. yeah yeah there, there it is, is. Yeah. okay so scientists have agreed for a long time that that Thea this large body probably the size of Mars or bigger collided with Earth like four and a half billion years ago and blew off all these like rocks and all the you know the water vapor and everything else that like flew off um eventually created the moon because like the water vapor sort of disappeared or whatever goes what?
3: into the vacuum of space exactly yeah
0: and then the lighter uh rocks that didn't like fall back down to Earth eventually like were in orbit and then they like coalesced into the moon okay so so it's like,
2: the moon's like a big chunk of sandstone.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: I don't think it's sand. Well, maybe. Well, I mean, I,
2: but like that same idea.
1: Like it's a bunch of other rocks that became one big rock. So yeah. I, I know that you're not an expert on this topic. Yeah. You're just bringing this up based on some articles that you've read. But is the moon, is, is it made up of earthen substances or is it made up of this other planet?
0: That's, that's a good question. Okay. So that's
1: part of where we're going. Like I don't think anybody really knows
0: that yet. You know, obviously humans have been to the moon and they have brought back moon rocks right. but the scientists are really interested in going back to the moon because they want to explore the south pole because they think that that might be the rock stuff down there might be an indication of like more of where the moon came what from. is
1: the moon like fully made of yeah. or like the origins of exactly
0: it? what i want to talk about is not actually the moon it's what's below the surface of the earth
1: as a result of this this uh cosmic cataclysmic event that took place 4.5 billion years ago.
0: Yes, possibly. That is what, that's the thing in question. So currently there are two continent sized layers of rock in the mantle. They're like 600 miles tall. Whoa. So think about like the core of the earth, like and then like the mantle section is sort of in between the core and the crust, 600 miles tall. And then like way wider than that. These huge rock bodies are Mm -hmm. just like floating in the mantle.
2: The mantle has
0: magma, right? It has magma. I think it's like just sort of like halfway molten rock. I don't think it's like solid, but it's also not liquid. I'm not exactly Is it sure. plasma? I, I don't know. I don't know either. The Tell m- us, John. Is yeah. it plasma? Is it magma? What is it? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's plasma. <laughs> it's plasma, yeah. yeah it's, it's a
2: mix. Idea. I've been really fascinated lately. I've seen a few things about like just what's inside the earth. Like it's not even the way that we think it is. We We always have this image of it being this like. Uh, everlasting gobstopper of layers that are perfectly se- <laughs> spherical, but it's like it's super lumpy and off-balanced and Yeah, like,
0: and, well you were just talking yesterday about how like you want to make a tunnel that goes all the way through the earth Yeah, like if you could poke a straw all the way through the earth
2: and you jumped into this hole Where what would happen? I think you would like when you get to the center. What would happen? Yeah, yeah I think you would go past the center and then you'd start to once gravity took back over you'd start to fall back
1: over Have you ever played the game portal? Yes. Whenever you find yourself stuck in a portal and you just keep going, like you kind of float up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up and down. I think that's how you just float yeah. up and down. <laughs> yeah. Until eventually you'd hit
2: equilibrium and just be hanging out in the core. Fun.
0: Yeah. It's a nerdy thought, but I mean, it's it's
2: a thought. Yeah. I, gotta, I don't know. I got to get Hank Green on that, but you think I got to get uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson on that one. Yeah.
1: We'll, maybe we'll never know. But anyways. So there's these gigantic rock bodies yep. floating in the mantle of the earth. Yep and they're thinking that it's tied to this potential planet? So yeah, so the scientist is proposing that these huge rock
0: bodies that are definitely there, because, you know, like seismologists, they study the the waves that come from the earth, like for earthquakes and stuff like that, they can tell that when there's an earthquake, um, they, when the waves pass through these huge rock bodies, they slow down or they change mm. direction or whatever. So, so that's,
2: that's how they can tell there's something down that's there.
0: That's how they can tell something's down there. And they, so they know there's something there. And then they also are pretty sure that like, it's a different kind of rock. It's a different density. It's so like maybe a different chemical makeup then than, earth. Rock, than the earth rock. Yeah.
2: That fascinates me that there's different kinds of rock depending on the planet.
1: Well, it's what's amazing to me is how much of science is based on reading waves. Like even yeah, yeah. in astrophysics, they're they're not necessarily when they're looking at something that's a billion light years away, they're actually reading certain frequency waves as opposed to actually physically seeing something. Yeah, mm-hmm. like a
2: radio telescope is taking in ra- radio waves of distant celestial bodies and right. then piecing it together into an
1: image from what radio waves are coming out and being able to figure out kind of like what you're saying how it like bends around certain mm-hmm. densities in the universe it's all just waves man it's all just waves My so yeah in this man. case they can tell that once the waves change or shift that there's something yeah. different down there yeah it's super interesting so everybody knows that they're there nobody disagrees about
0: that but the theory has been like okay maybe they just crystallized on their own maybe just they're just some sort of crystallized dense rock that's down there Maybe they uh, formed, maybe they're sort of like impact craters from when this protoplanet hit Earth, mm-hmm. but maybe it's like Earth itself. But this scientist is suggesting that that is Theia itself.
1: Oh, the actual planet's still down there? Like that it got like
0: smashed into the Earth. This is the extraterrestrial graveyard. Oh. This scientist is suggesting that those huge bodies of rock
1: are from the other planet that crashed into us. This is starting to make me think that this is a this is a boring topic, John. <sighs> And by boring, ah, I mean oh, yeah. Elon Musk seeking, should digging take through the boring the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, company and uh-huh. go down there. And they got to take some samples. We that can't, is fascinating. We
2: can't get into the mantle. Why? Yet. We can't. They, the Russians
1: tried to dig that hole. They didn't get anywhere near the mantle. Yeah, that's true. And that was like a six inch wide hole. Hey, are you saying that Elon Musk is not more powerful than the Russians? Because <laughs> I contend <laughs> that he is, sir. <laughs> I just hesitate to say anything's
0: impossible because, yeah. I mean, 200 years ago, people were like, flight? Human flight? That's yeah. impossible. Yeah. Now We can figure out a way. Yeah, we can figure out a way. Give, give it time. Yeah. yeah.
2: A
1: fourth Matrix movie? Impossible. Neo's dead. But we're getting we're one. We're getting one. We don't know how. That's Case right. in point. Yep. So they, do they have any theories that you know of, of what it could possibly be made of? Like, they I know they don't know for certain, but do they believe that it is... Um, it is like a different form of a substance that can kind of be found on Earth, but in greater concentration down there? Or do they feel like this is something that is completely not found anywhere else on the planet? I don't think it's like a, yeah, completely foreign substance necessarily. I don't think he's taking that
2: leap, but- like something
1: he, that's not going to be able to be put together in the periodical right. elements. I th- yeah, I possibly.
2: think they just know it's kind of like uh, isotopes of elements. Like there's all different types of isotopes sure. of helium. They're just slightly different depending on where they're formed and all kinds of things. I think when they measure rocks from other planets, they're looking at the makeup of them like because they're all made with the same stuff it's just like this space rock is made up with more of this type of metal that we don't really find
1: much here and so yeah. are they are they leaving this in hypothesis form or are they trying to figure out ways to test this further. The,
0: I think the next step, well, I mean, one way to possibly confirm this is when they go back to the moon, when when humans go back to the moon, um, or maybe even just landers or whatever, and we explore more of, like, what's on the moon, we might be able to find some rock that is from Thea also. So if we find some rock on the moon that's, like, not from Earth... That somehow, with waves, behave
1: uh-huh. similar to what they feel is taking place. You, you could search. compare
2: the densities to what you're finding in the mantle and then be able to make a pretty good conclusion that it's likely that that would be
1: extraterrestrial i wonder if they have any plans to do any boring on the moon like rather than just taking surface samples which we've done and i know they've i know that the mars rover they do a little bit of drilling down but like if they put a boring system on the moon and actually get way down in there that that's interesting because a question i would have not for you john because you're not a scientist you're just telling us about this article you read but um is the center of the moon hot, like, mantle like it, the Earth? Or I think is it, it used to be, but it's not
2: anymore. My daughter was telling me there's volcanoes on the... There's, like, been volcanoes on There the moon. have been volcanoes. No mm-hmm. more. But there's no volcanoes on the Moon anymore, so I'd imagine that's probably because it's cooled. I think that's one thing about the Moon. Like, it's really barren because there's nothing
1: okay. keeping it warm. Can you imagine what that would have looked like from Earth to see a volcano erupting on the Moon? <laughs> That'd have been wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. I don't know. This is all
0: just theoretical, and, you know, scientists are, like, very cautious about what they say is... Sure you know definitely um, a hypothesis but i think it's just a it's a theory and they're sort of like exploring how this might be true or might not and it's really interesting i just think that that's cool that there's maybe part of another planet i think it's pretty safe to say that uh, martians in the past
2: buried their dead under our earth definitely safe to say that you know? why is it safe to say that <laughs> well from what john just said be- oh the whole alien graveyard thing that oh, was we right. talking about for a oh right i don't think
1: you were listening <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, let's stay in the cosmos, okay, and head into the present. Let's do it, gentlemen. Welcome to the present. All right, there have there are things presently afoot that are creepy and mm. weird and mysterious. As has been recently covered on the CBS news show, 60 Minutes, which I know you all watch. <laughs> Big fan.
0: <laughs> no, you, you watch your grandparents fan. on the weekends? I've yep. never... No. <laughs> yep.
1: I don't know if That's I've good. ever sat down and watched 60 Minutes. It's actually not bad, man. CBS does some really good news shows. Okay. CBS Sunday Morning. Oh, really CBS Sunday Morning is incredible. At any rate, they did a, a piece uh, this last weekend, and it was all about UAPs, which is the new term for UFOs, which is unidentified Aerial phenomenon. No, they, they have to rename it because people were
0: like just UFOs. Okay.
2: I'll tell you why they're. It's, renaming it's, it's because it's not always. Second. It's not always an object. Was that it? Right. Like it's. You're
1: close, and yeah. I'll get into some of that in just a second. Before we do, let's look at some of this footage. that They did a lot of interviews. They're releasing a lot of footage, and I'm going to show you some of this footage right now so you can react a little bit to it, okay?
0: okay? All right, hold up. Before we go any further, I want to just say that we're looking at some really interesting videos here, and and if you are just listening to this podcast, you're going to want to see this. Um, the words that we're using to describe this footage is not going to do it justice, so you need to see this footage
1: over on our YouTube channel. Yeah. We're going to put all this on Timely Clips. Yeah, so we'll do our best to describe it right now, but you're gonna wanna see this, so head over to YouTube, Timely Clips, so you can actually see what we're talking about. It's worth it, okay. So this was taken in 2019 off of a Navy ship. I okay. believe it was in the Pacific Ocean.
0: Night vision goggles.
2: So we've got night vision, and some kind of horizon looks like might be the sea, and some kind of triangle
1: just blinking through the sky. What is, this, what is this sparkly stuff around it? I think since it's night vision, it's just picking up different yeah. particulate artifacts or light ambient light ambient light yeah like sea mist maybe I mean that looks like a Dorito flying through the air so in that in that clip in particular they were pyramid shape somethings huh that uh, in the night vision they just look like triangles but they were pyramid shaped. oh okay so they're three dimensional uh huh yeah it's yeah. weird okay now we've seen like some kind of thermal vision thermal vision's cool so yeah this one was really weird because it actually did not show they couldn't see it but it was showing up on radar and with infrared what so you couldn't see it with your naked eyes so then right. they pulled up
2: but something,
1: there is an object.
0: I'm curious about, like, what is this camera? Is this So this is from an airplane. Yeah. This is from
1: an airplane. These guys are chasing this object. And you can see what you're looking at right here is what they... I think it's called a targeting cam. Yeah, that's so what I So they say. use that to lock onto, I guess in Top Gun terms, a bogey. Right, right, right. To uh, shoot it. They're not armed, though. In fact, a lot of these planes weren't armed. So they're not planning on shooting it, but they were able to lock onto this. So there's an object, black and white. It looks... Like some kind of, I mean, it looks kind of like a classic UFO, like a
0: spinning top.
1: Yeah. What kind of a dome look. That's weird looking, man. Like, I don't know, like maybe some kind of bug. It's very hard to make out any detail. It's just like this black blob. It starts to rotate forward at one point. This is this is a an object flying over an airport in Puerto Rico.
2: This is fascinating because that thing you can tell is going so fast. Like there's not a lot of reference for a lot of them, but this one for sure.
1: So once it reaches the water, it actually dives down into the water, and when it comes back out, there's two of them. I mean, you can't tell what this is. Yeah. You know, what it is, yeah, two of what. It's, yeah. a
0: blo- it's a blob of some kind, so.
1: This, this one's really hard because it looks literally like nothing but a black blob on a gray screen. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what this one was, was an object that went into the water, they saw it splash, and it came right back out. It, it actually... Now that the, when they the, yeah. say they saw it splash this is what people saw with their naked eye. This wasn't naked what we're eye capturing. Okay. So it's this black blob that goes down into the water. They even make the comment, oh, did you see it? It splashed. And then it comes back up and continues doing its weird aeronautic movements. What I don't understand so I don't is know. like,
0: if the camera is having such a hard time seeing this thing because it's so not detailed, you know, it's just like mm-hmm. this blob. So clearly either the camera is really zoomed in and it's really far away, then how are they seeing it with their eyes? And yeah, then,
1: it, so- it varies based on what it is. So I'm gonna give you an example of one of them. There, was, um, mm-hmm. there were two pilots off the uh, coast of California and they were scared rambled during a training mission because something was showing up on the radar. When they got out there, the guy very clearly describes it. You should go and watch this. I think he was interviewed on 60 Minutes. He also did something Mm -hmm. on the Today Show. But he says, it looked, he's like this is going to sound weird. It looked like a tic-tac falling. It was like going back and forth and it was, it looked just like a tic-tac or like a propane tank. Mm. And he said, then once we locked onto it, it stopped, turned toward me. I started doing I, I think he was describing it as like a spiraling down uh, maneuver to go check it out, and it started spiraling up toward him. It then met him, and then he said it literally vanished in thin air. And his... um what? The other plane saw all of this. So they got back to the aircraft carrier. They scrambled another crew. They found it, and this is the only thing they were, ever to, they were able to capture from it. Okay. And, and it's basically that. They locked onto it, and then it zips away. That's all they were able to get of it.
0: It just It's like this little blob that just sort of sw- flies through the screen.
1: Yeah, just like it's there, and then just goes away. So it is unfortunate because the footage itself does not do justice to what the eyewitness description is. Right. And that's the tricky part for us civilians trying to look at yeah. grainy footage. Looking at water. It looks like we're looking down at the yeah, water.
2: Looking down water with some thermal vision, and there's like a little dot that's just flying really fast
1: over the water. I want to say that they were at like 40,000 feet when they took this and it was a, it was right over the surface of the water and they said it was going like 13,000 miles an hour. They could not get their minds around what was happening. Like,
0: stuff
2: like this, like I would have so many more questions because it's just a little dot and they're saying it's going that fast. How do you know it's going that fast? How do you know it's a physical thing? Like, And you're not just seeing like light Bounce off of something in a strange way? Did it show up on radar? Like, there's so many questions with each one of these.
0: That's what's hard about this is I feel like it's easy to be very skeptical because you can't see anything. Like, right. so it's you just you end up kind of like it's you, almost worse than the Sasquatch because it's exactly. like with that you can like it looks humanish. You kind of imagine more yeah. than it really is. But this you're looking at a blob flying through the frame. You're like it. What is that? Come and that's around.
1: where you go to one of two extremes. Usually, it's yep. either right. that must be a UFO, yep. aliens are among us, or it's that's nothing. nothing. Right. Yeah, these are photos taken off the coast of Virginia Beach uh, around 2015 or 2019. See, so, you
2: now these just look like mylar balloons.
1: They do, but they are registering on radar right. as objects that are moving. What is Jeez. this camera that we're looking at? Because that's what... that's actually a really good question, and that is part of why I'm bringing this up. What we've all seen unidentified flying object videos, right? Uh That footage is taken by like a family doing a barbecue in a backyard, or maybe a news crew catches something that they can't explain. What is unique about all of these clips that I just showed you is that they have been leaked and released and confirmed to come from the United States military. Oh, yes,
2: and recently
1: they just released that stuff and we're like yeah we see we find ufos all the time they've acknowledged before that they see stuff but this is the first time that we're getting like leaked footage from the military now here's where the 60 minutes piece and it has now gone to other news organizations gets really fascinating because they are now doing interviews with people who are part of different task forces in the united states government and also the actual navy pilots and people within the intelligence community who are now finally speaking out about a lot of the investigations they've been doing on these things. Yeah. So the fact that it's not just Bob barbecuing in his backyard and being like, "Hey, what's that?" But this is confirmed like U.S. government, yeah, from the United States government, and that's what makes this really unique. Is that within the United States government, we're finding out that there are actually designated groups who have been investigating this. So, for example, um, the D- Department of Defense had something called the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program and they these were individuals who were doing nothing but investigating footage that the united states military had been captured
2: so anytime this stuff came in and that again that title sounds a little bit alienish but it, it could it just means advanced so it could be like uh foreign governments things and I've, I've heard that like the there's the scariest explanation for all of this isn't aliens it's like no the reason we see these things all the time is because the simplest explanation is these are just drones and balloons and spy things that other governments have been sending over here And we're not identifying them because it's unbelievably easy just to send small, small things through the air to spy on other people.
1: I will say that in all of these interviews that they're doing, they're doing it with people who are part of these government programs. They're Mm -hmm. doing it with, like I said, the actual pilots, people of that nature. Is that these are credible individuals who in the past they're saying people in the military have seen this stuff for a long time. But if you're on a solo flight doing some sort of training mission and you see something you're not going to come back and tell anybody because you are immediately opening yourself up to ridicule. Right. So people mm. just keep it quiet. Right Now they're able to corroborate because um, in a lot of cases, there's multiple planes that are seeing these things. And it then leads into the discussion, what is this? And that's what I really appreciate about the 60 Minutes interview with all these individuals is they were all very consistently saying, we are not saying this is aliens. What we are saying, <laughs> what we. we are saying is, they are, they are things that de- that defy our technology. They are things that defy physics as we know it. And we don't know what they are. Now, they yeah. do speak a little bit to, could they be, and then we can get into this discussion, what are your guys' thoughts based on stuff like this that you've seen? There are some who are saying, yeah, you could say it could be the Russians or the Chinese or whatever. But the reality is, it, it is a very slim likelihood that it is, that based on how advanced some of this technology seems to be, that it is some sort of advanced technology from another country.
2: Right, yeah, because there's, there's all kinds of things. Like when we've seen things before, like from the past, that were some of the most convincing UFO or Bigfoot or Loch Ness, whatever these things that we're trying to find, and you find it like, oh, there's a very reasonable explanation for what that is. Like Loch Ness, the reason Loch Ness always looks like there's a monster sw- like serpenting around in the water is because of the way that water moves. Sure. Like it causes this optical illusion that looks just like that.
1: Right, Like it's just the way the shape of that lake is And that lends itself to all these Conspiracies that we've always known People jump to the conclusion that it's aliens Uh Alien like extraterrestrial And the reason why I think they do that And there was actually somebody that was part of the 60 minute interview Her name was Sarah Scholes, she's an author That was saying we quickly jump to conclusions Because even with this military and government footage They're black and white, night vision Grainy, out of focus So we can't see exactly what it is So that fogginess leaves it so open to interpretation people are going to default to star wars and star trek um but most of the people who are investigating this though they're saying i guess it could be extraterrestrial life one guy that made one of the best points as to why he doesn't believe it is extraterrestrial this is a guy named seth shawstack who is actually the lead astronomer For SETI. Do you know what SETI is? Search for extraterrestrial life. Yeah, search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Intelligence, sorry, yeah, sorry. The reason why he's not convinced that all of these things are extraterrestrial is because he points out, do you know how many satellites we have just outside of our atmosphere that are not picking up on the same types of things? Right. So is it possible that these are things that are exclusive to our terrestrial realm? Right.
2: Right. That would be my first assumption, is just like we've got so many satellites in the air looking at everything all over the place. Um, The odds of something extraterrestrial like sneaking through, but then again, you're basing it all off of our understanding of modern physics and and we know we're going to come up with new, we're going to find new things that are just going to change our universe forever and what's possible, that's always happening. I lean a lot more towards our government and other governments are so shifty that it's got to be something from somebody yeah. doing something
1: yeah i don't think that that's implausible at all and there's it's very possible that even at the higher levels of the department of defense they don't know what it is because it's so top secret right american technology right because
2: yeah. yeah there's tons of stuff where like one wing of the government has no clue what the other wing of the government's doing there could have been another navy ship right next to that ship but it was classified Being and like, nobody ha,
1: ha. nobody on this ship even knew
2: that ship existed <laughs> that's like,
1: right yeah i mean other theories that are out there it just gets really fascinating to at a certain point because people are now maybe a little bit more open to like is this a plane of existence thing even mm. even indications of so every um civilization, going back as far as we can trace, had some concept of a spiritual world right, or yeah. or a supernatural world. So could this, instead of it being something part of the natural world, is it part of the supernatural realm in some sense, which is something to think about, even though there are a lot of people that will try to use science to explain away the supernatural. There are obviously still a lot of things that we don't understand that could right. potentially be on a different plane of some sort. I think it's space junk. Space junk. You think it's just falling from space? Yeah, you know how much space junk is out there. It's a lot like of space junk. Old satellites that
0: are yeah. not accounted for. Maybe there's Russian satellites that they don't even like want to claim anymore because they're like maybe former spy satellites. Whatever. Stuff burning up through the atmosphere, falling falling through. There's tons of it out there. Oh there's actually gosh, new yeah. startups. There, there's actually a new startup company that I just saw um, based in Europe that's aiming to put up a, a space junk grabber. Uh, it's like a satellite yeah. that like has this big arm on it, and it just like grabs all the space junk that's just floating around up there. It's just trash. There's so much
1: trash up there. Here's what I would ask you to consider then, though. Um, one of the guys at the interview, he was actually the director of this Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program for the Department of Defense. He was a former CIA operative, so this is a guy who knows how to like investigate things, right? He said, I'm only telling you what I can, even though he's not part of the program anymore. He's like, I'm telling you stuff that I know has been either leaked or is about to be declassified. He's like, there are things that are still classified, I can't tell you. Um, And he says they are significantly more compelling than these grainy videos. To the extent, one thing that he alluded to was that there's actually eyewitness reports of pilots who are within 50 feet of something that they can describe that's not just a grainy video. They're like, what is this thing that I'm next to? Causing their planes to not obey physics in the correct way.
2: Um, wow. Well, you know, even Albert Einstein... Albert Einstein believed in ghosts. Did you know that? I did not. Well, because th- his assumption was from a scientific standpoint that since energy cannot be destroyed, that there, like when your soul leaves its body that can no longer support it, the energy that was in your soul has to go
1: somewhere. Mm-hmm. Here's the, the plot twist that makes this really interesting. What we have to thank for all this information starting to leak is... The coronavirus. Oh. Let me explain. For reasons that I don't fully know, the the reason this stuff is starting to leak is because the December COVID-19 relief bill that was passed had buried in it a mandate from the Senate Intelligence Committee for the Office of Naval Intelligence and the FBI to produce a report on these unidentified aerial phenomenon within 100 days of the bill passing, which is... June of 2021.
2: That's why we're getting all this stuff. So out now.
1: stuff is starting to leak out now because the Senate is about to receive and release, make public a report about the full findings of what the government has been investigating. Why was that all in the Corona? Cause somebody had somebody who wanted him to squeeze it in there, man. I mean, this is we know this about the United States government. This is why it took so long for a lot of the even stimulus packages to pass because there's so many other things baked into any. Yeah. A uh, bill that goes through Congress—they got
2: to make somebody who donated them happy, so they get something put into the bill. Like there was some alien somewhere <laughs> who was like
1: hol- I mean, holding up a congressman at gunpoint, saying, "You better lobbyists. put this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. The alien lobby got this Big the
2: alien. Yeah.
1: So that, that that whole aspect of it is really fascinating, and it's going to be interesting to see in June what wow. the government is able to tell us and yeah. what they're going to release. But the thing that's really fascinating now is like, look, we're beyond the phase of feeling silly for acknowledging that there's something out there. What we need to be careful about, and this is what some of these interviews in the 60 Minutes piece said, is a lot of what Danny was saying. Let's not jump to conclusions that these, this is alien life, but there are things that we are interacting with that we don't understand. Yeah. And there is a scientific uh, theory that if there is an alien life that's intelligent
2: enough to visit us, that we are so primitive compared to them that they would prop, like if they are that advanced, they'd have some sort of, understanding of morality and would say we cannot interfere with this lesser life forms trajectory they have like they would see us as having the right to our own life and
1: our own destiny without interference from another planet so basically let's,
2: anti-colonization
1: so let's uh let's let's answer the question more personally even though we don't want to become uh, guilty of going down the same path and mm. just jump to the conclusions that these are all UFOs, as we've understood them as alien spaceships. Let's so not jump to conclusions. Let's like let's take a little step to a conclusion. Let's just dip our toe into conclusions.
0: Yeah. Let's. Uh, well, sashay to <laughs> Sa- a conclusion. Uh, I was
1: gonna say sashay. Let's sashay to
0: conclusion.
2: Uh, I, I'm not kidding you. I was about to say sashay. You don't really get to say sashay. It's a lot. just the perfect time. This is
1: the perfect time. You guys are friends. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts? Is there is there alien life out there? I, I think there's some form of alien life out there
2: intelligent alien life I, there totally could be I, I don't think you can say no it I just doesn't matter to me like so I, I just don't care sure. that much like it'd be interesting like I, I, I would be really interested to find out if there was like if somebody could tell me for sure but i have nothing to gain or there's nothing i'm gonna get from that this is
1: interesting coming from the guy who's convinced that the world is going to end in some dystopian state because that is gonna happen well how do you know (laughs) the aliens don't cause it (laughs) have you seen independence day you're true (laughs) i'm kidding
2: we have so many things looking out into space and we have we we know so often like what's coming here now granted again like i said before there could be some technology we don't even know about that's keep making them able
0: to get here without us seeing
1: And there are times that asteroids fly by and they're like, whoa, we didn't see that coming. It's
0: it's really rare. Usually they're... No, I think it's actually that we think we are looking at a lot of the sky, but there's so
2: much of it that we're not looking at. There are
1: more close calls than I think we're able to anticipate.
0: Right.
2: So I I don't know. I I, I don't think there's like an intelligent life that's visiting us. I think the most likely scenario is it's another country just spying. Okay. And then like nature, just some weird things. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I don't know what this is. I think we'll probably find out in the next several years like oh like, kind of like the bigfoot footage that came out you know like in the 60s or whatever mm-hmm. it's like uh, at the time maybe people were shocked like maybe there's mm-hmm. a sasquatch maybe there's this whole species we don't know about but over time it's like that's not really plausible it's just there's an easy explanation for it like you were saying yeah i think there will probably be some explanation for all this um because i think that while there statistically probably is other life, even intelligent life, somewhere in the universe, because it's so huge. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they could actually reach us, like, because as we know, like may- maybe yeah. there's laws of physics we don't understand, but as we know it right now, like we'd have to go 300, I think it's like 300 million years, the speed of light, just to get to the next galaxy. Mm-hmm. Which is like, okay, so no one's coming here. No one's coming. We're, we're on a freaking island. yeah. Um, so no one's coming here. Like this is not alien. In all probability, like this is not an alien. Um, is it something unexplainable? Yes, but maybe soon. My theory is like, or my my thinking is like, soon we'll be able to have a uh, an explanation for this. Sure, it's either something from space falling right. out of the sky, um, or it's some other country's um unidentified right. aircraft. I
1: have a little bit of a unique perspective to you because I'm a. I come. I'll come at it a little bit more from a faith standpoint right. because faith is so important to I know all of us and and. As I look through that lens, it's tricky because there's a balance there, right? To say, um, you know, we we for a Christian who looks at the Bible, we believe that the Bible tells us a ton about the creative order of mm-hmm. the universe in a certain sense, and yet it's not a science book. Mm-hmm. So there's an age-old debate, or I should say a more recent, modern debate that's always going on between what uh, a Bible says versus what science says. And unfortunately, they've been pitted against each other, which I think has been really unfortunate because it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it is well within the realm of my thinking based on how I understand the scriptures that if the if if the entire universe was created just for what's taking place on Earth, I'm open to that. Now, I get also that scientifically speaking, there's a probability if we're just looking from a probability standpoint that there could be more life out there because there's only, we, we know a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what's actually out there. Right. Um, but I also think that within that probability is a probability that nothing is out there except for us. That is part of the probability, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to fall into, when you're going to come from a faith standpoint, into the trap that the Catholic Church fell into at the time of um, Galileo, yeah, like yeah. who had some pretty empirical evidence about the earth being round, and because it didn't jive... It wasn't even that it didn't jive with the Bible, it's that it didn't jive with their power structure. They closed their ears and la 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 and ridiculed him. So you don't want to do that either. Mm-hmm. And
2: that's where I get into, the, like, it doesn't matter to me that much because, mm-hmm. like, yeah, as a Christian, if somebody came in tomorrow and was like, there's no aliens everywhere, how does that affect your faith? You'd be like, eh, it doesn't. Like, we found aliens on Alpha Centauri 4, how does it affect your faith? Eh, it doesn't. Right. Like, I, it doesn't matter to me because, like... It, I don't. I don't think the Bible shows me everything about the
1: universe, right? Because there's no way I, my tiny little man brain, could understand that, right? So we then concern ourselves with what is taking place, yeah, on the globe that we're living on, and uh, live the way that we feel we need to live according to that. The thing that's really fascinating about this, though, and that's really going to be interesting as as all this comes out, is that it's not just five or six things. In fact. Um, what I'm really looking forward to in June, when this comes out, is how they speak to the interview they had with one of these pilots, who patrolled off the coast of Virginia Beach. He said every day, for two years, he saw UAPs over the Atlantic Ocean in restricted airspace. Whoa. Every day for two years. So this isn't just a couple things here or there. There is a mountain of data that they have that they're trying to get their arms yep. around. So it's going to be really fascinating. Yeah. Stay tuned for an update. That's right. Wow. We might need to circle back on this one. Definitely. Yeah. But in the meantime, I think we can come back down to Earth and move on to the future. Nice. Nice.
2: Before we head to the future, let's talk about Tomorrow's Tomorrow. Oh, Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, that is the slogan for Sharper Image, one of our wonderful sponsors. Uh, They have some really awesome
1: toys that we're about to make commercials for and other things for adults. And Yeah, in the last podcast, we told you about these really cool UV sanitation ones, right? Right, yeah, yeah. But we just got a shipment of other things from Sharper Image that are these amazing RC toys
2: yeah they've got this really awesome corvette it looks just like a real car uh, and it actually steers with a real steering wheel instead of like a joystick left and right it's tons of fun important to mention that it's
0: a small model you just said they have a corvette it's not it's oh not that a, is that is a good point yeah it's, yeah it's not life-size
1: it's toy-sized uh built to scale really fun and a lot of this the videos that we're going to be making this summer are going to be toys that sharper image has made. They're going to be releasing toward the holiday season, but you need to be watching our Randomonium YouTube channel because we are actually going to be showing a lot of these products in the next couple months.
2: Yeah, and if you're looking for them, you don't have to go find a Sharper Image store. Uh, You can order online or you can actually head to Target because they have an awesome relationship with Target and a lot of their stuff is there. We'll have a link in the show description. All right, guys, uh, time to talk about the future and how Google is going to end it all. That that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, so, Google. <laughs> that time of the podcast. <laughs> it's that time. Now, I've avoided the, the future segments for that reason. I tend to go pretty... Uh,
1: you can't help yourself. Okay. How, so,
2: how is Google going to end it all? Google is going to end it all through its annual IO developer conference. <laughs> Just... All right. So they just had this I.O. developer conference, which is where they reveal a bunch of new things they've been working on. It's, you know, all these big tech industries. It's the way to show Companies off. Is show off, yeah. There were two big announcements in their keynote speech here, uh, and they were in the areas of natural language processing and search.
1: Okay. Okay. Sounds and, good so far. Yeah, it's not very ominous yet. Yeah, you'll, you'll see why it's ominous. <laughs> You've got this grin on your face like, and <laughs> they were talking about language, huh? and, th- and then they
2: said, and here's how we're going to kill everybody. <laughs> The first one is called LaMDA. It's it's worded weird. L A, but a lowercase a, and then capital M D A. It stands for Language Model for Dialogue Applications. Okay. The goal is to make it easier for AI to have more conversational dialogue. Cool. Okay. So think about it this way: when you talk to your AI, or you talk to like you get on a chatbot or something, like it's it's always. Yeah, something about it that doesn't seem conversation.
0: It doesn't really like respond like a human. So uh, I'm going to
2: play you guys a little clip here of Google showing off this new feature um, by... They basically fed it a bunch of information about Pluto, uh, whether it was through search. I'm not sure where the information came from. And then somebody has a conversation with Pluto about itself. Okay. Pluto the dog from Mickey Mouse? Pluto the planet. Pluto Talks. Pluto Talks. So it's, it's an AI with just information about Pluto, and somebody has a conversation with this AI about Pluto. So listen to how natural this sounds. Okay.
3: I'm so curious about you. I sense your excitement. Ask me anything. Tell me what I would see if I visited. You would get to see a massive canyon, some frozen icebergs, geysers, and some craters. It sounds beautiful. I assure you it is worth the trip. However, you need to bring your coat because it gets really cold. I'll keep that in mind. Hey, I was wondering, have you ever had any visitors? Yes, I have had some. The most notable was New Horizons, the spacecraft that visited me. That must have been exciting. The team that created New Horizons was very excited to see me. I also sent them back a picture of myself since I had not been seen up close before. That's so great. What else do you wish people knew about you? I wish people knew that I am not just a random ice ball. I am actually a beautiful planet. Well, I think you're beautiful. So, wow. I am glad to hear that. I don't get the recognition I deserve. Sometimes people refer to me as just a dwarf planet. (laughs) Oh, it's good.
0: already it's already getting mad yeah it's He's just, sen- he since that yeah it's, it's like just, i don't get the recognition i deserve
2: <laughs> it's getting a little mad but it's just like think about it she was just asking very vague questions that didn't have anything to do with it like has anybody ever visited you it took that conversation and realized okay that has something to do with like has there been anything to pluto so let me give the best answer i can to that which talked about the probes that went to pluto yeah
0: <laughs> and it's like taking like it's anthrop- anthropomorphizing yeah. these satellites. Cause her question was kind of like about visitors. We think about people and the AI was able to take like, and sort of conversationally make that like, yeah, you mean visitors like anything that could come close to me. That that's very advanced. Not it only kept- that, when she went up with just like another one, like
2: that sounds very nice. And they're like, yeah. And then it, it, just, it, kept going, it yeah. just kept going, it just kept going.
1: I don't want to rain on your Pluto here, but... <laughs> it doesn't rain on Pluto. I've heard it doesn't rain on Pluto. It's just a lot of ice. Um, the questions, they I don't really like the way they presented this. It seemed very scripted. It's So one could no. say, well, she had a list of questions to ask it, and we knew that it was going to give the types of answers we breath. wanted it to give. I will say the one thing that was impressive about it, I thought it was interesting how they gave the UI breath. Did you hear that? Yeah. He was inhaling... Before yeah. he would make a statement or like mm-hmm. in the middle of a sentence, he you could hear a breath, yeah. which is interesting touch. They, mm-hmm.
2: they go on later to show more things of this. It actually does uh, kind of screw up a little bit later, like because it is trying to figure it out. So it kind of gives itself this image of Pluto dancing, which doesn't dance like that's weird. And Well, in Mickey Mouse, sense. he does. He does. Yes. He does. You're right. Uh, so I, I think they could have maybe tried to go the safe route and just fake it, but the point of this is to show off the technology. They end up showing things to developers. People don't know what they're talking about and things like that. So I, I think they're being genuine here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the point is, is just like if that if that's just a person just talking to this computer, it is able to conversationally understand you
1: almost the way a person does. Yeah. I use I'm, context clues and and yeah. to fill in the gaps. I'm just having a hard time not being skeptical because it sounded, like the presentation, it sounded so scripted. It sounded like she was reading from a script. Right. As opposed to, it didn't seem very spontaneous, casual, off the cuff. Right. It was kind of, well, what What do you think?
0: Yeah, they should yeah. have, to really prove it, if they were if that was their goal, they should have like asked for questions from the audience or right. something like that. Yeah, yeah, that would have been interesting.
2: And so the, the developer there goes on to say that me and my son went to have, uh, like just had a conversation with Pluto all night and we learned so much about space and and so many kinds of things. Like his kid was able to have a conversation with Pluto, um, but that is not how they're gonna necessarily end the world, okay? okay? I mean, that's definitely
0: part of it. So you haven't gotten to your point yet?
1: I haven't gotten to my point yet.
0: Pluto gets really upset for not <laughs> for not being taken seriously. Pluto's gonna invade us, no. It
1: crashes into the earth
2: and makes another moon. The, the other <laughs> development they came up with is called MUM, M-U-M, it means Multitask Unified Model. Now this is where they take AI and they start to blend it into search. Google's bread and butter. Okay. So right now, if you wanna learn something on the internet, you'll go to Google, you might type in a question, it's gonna pull up, it's gonna query websites, gives you a bunch of links to websites. Um, If you wanted to find out complex information, you'd have to ask question after question after question, dig in further, make your own inferences or make your own connections, connect the dots and find the right information, go through there. So what MUM does, it's an AI model that boosts the understanding of human questions. Uh, And it allows people to use one complicated query instead of a series of questions. So instead of going to Google and typing in a bunch of different searches to gather all the information you need, you can type in one you could use one really complicated question like what was it like in the 16th century and would these shoes have kept me dry in the weather during that period like you can get crazy complex with it and it would do that
1: i've Uh, always
0: wondered that personally
1: yeah Yeah, all the time sure i was just thinking about that a second ago. i actually zoned
2: out for a second
1: and was thinking about it and then he said it it was really weird weird
2: right But so the goal also would be they could safely take away some fear from search. Like we've we've all got kids and my kids are now getting into computers. John's kids aren't. Jeff's kids are. Uh, One of the things we always are very cautious about is what they Google. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Like Google's a What are they going to stumble across whenever they're searching? Yeah. Yeah,
2: So it's supposed to be able to take that fear away from that. So to be able to say like, oh, yeah, you can go in there and we can navigate. Oh, this is a child looking for schoolwork. Let's just not pull from the dark places of the Internet Mm -hmm. and things like that. So the question goes, the question comes out, though, is like, what are the the ethical concerns here? Like, how safe is it? How's it going to affect SEO? What's this going to do to our existing information loops? Like, we talk about information loops all the time. People get news from one area and algorithms figure out what you want. So they feed you more news like that. You never hear an opposing voice. So you get there. If we start taking these algorithms and turning them into intelligence, which is just trying to tailor things to you, what's the danger in that? Also, like, how free does search become when we have this computer kind of tailoring what we see. Like the Internet right now, we go to a search engine, we search, we choose. But this is basically going to get to the point where Google now is going to always be serving what it even tells you about the Internet. Not like here's the website, but like here's what you're going to find. Here's a search result of everything you need to know. Now, I'm sure it'll give sources, but there's a there's a lot of things that go into there, like what is this is this
1: actually going to be something we can trust? from a and from an informational standpoint or from like the computers starting to make decisions and take over.
2: I mean either way, if it's if it's if you've got both of those things going on right now, we've got a search that can respond more conversationally. We've got a search that can understand more comp- or we've got an AI that can understand more complexity and you start serving those things together, it almost turn- turns Google
1: into a personality. And is it a personality we can trust? Can we have a serious debate about this? Not a playful one, but a serious sure. one. Not a mean one, but sure. I want to have a serious debate about this because we do talk about this a lot. And mm-hmm. it is fun, right? I'm going to make a statement. And, seriously fun. A seri- <laughs> it's seriously fun, guys. Yeah. So you better have fun with what I'm about to okay. say. I think that it is impossible for technology to um, gain a consciousness mm-hmm. that we need to be afraid of. Depends how you define consciousness, is what I would say. That it's going to start making decisions to, in some way, try to sustain itself over humans, Terminator, mythology standpoint, and come after us. So, in other words, the whole whole notion of AI competing with humanity or ending humanity, I believe, is impossible. Because I think that the thing that we're afraid of is that AI getting too much or a lot of information, or even an infinite amount of information is going to somehow bring it to this um, singularity moment of it saying, you know what, I am alive, or I want to be alive. It's the movies that we've seen. It was, right. uh, what was it, uh, Bicentennial Man, and was it Her? I mean, there's there's been a lot right. of movies that have kind of explored this, um, but that's operating on the premise that we believe that if something gets enough information, it will at some point want to make the decision to be a conscious being, and I don't think that's how consciousness works. I think that, um, like for example, a human baby that has almost no knowledge—it's mm-hmm. not less living because it doesn't because it hasn't accumulated knowledge yet. It is just as alive as the wisest person on the planet. So, I don't see knowledge equating with consciousness. I, I think th- that's not uh, what the singularity
0: is,
2: though.
1: The sing-
0: it, yeah, I don't. I don't think. He, I don't think Danny's saying we have to worry about making computers smarter than us or like more alive right. than us or more alive than just computers i think it, that doesn't take away the fact that there's a threat the more that right. we like imagine this is a very like boiled down scenario uh-huh. but like for instance we're at, at lunch today we are just just, just talking about how like um autonomy autonomy is taking over a lot of different jobs so um truck drivers most popular uh, career in america um tons of tons of truck drivers all over the place but we've got electric cars Electric trucks coming soon, semi trucks, mm-hmm. and and they're autonomous. We can, yeah, we can imagine. I mean, they're working on them already, but imagine in the in the near future, somewhat near future, there will be autonomous semi trucks. Well, sure. that puts all those truck drivers out of yeah. a job, theoretically. You know, this is all mm-hmm. very yep. hypothetical, but then you know you can imagine the same kind of thing with like, um, let's say, like the military. So it's like, okay, we're gonna have we've got this fleet of drones, and um, it's one thing to be able to respond to a threat. By having certain commanders control these drones, which are already semi-autonomous, but it's actually faster and more effective, um, according to their computer models, to actually have um, an AI control these drones. Mm-hmm. Now you take that another step further. It's like, okay, now we've got like m- this this model that's like controlling the drones is there to eliminate threats. Well, the biggest
1: threat is the people who are
2: right. But you know, so, but, what happens when those when that system
1: decides? But okay, this, look. is we the system just, deciding or are we telling it what qualifies as a threat? Well,
2: see, in the, the issue, in the singularity, I think there's a misunderstanding here between what the singularity is talking about. It's not that um, it's going to get too smart. It's inevitable. Like, it mm-hmm. will happen that AI is going to get intelligent enough to make independent decisions better than we can. And we will, pending there's no tragedy that keeps us from technologically being able to do this, we will get to the point where we don't work anymore okay like that's gonna happen like to where technology will care for us will take care of the even the idea generations even coming up with ideas new things to try what we were saying even city planners would be able to like a computer would be able to tell you more this is a better way to put a park into the city like oh you need a park here because if you don't within the next 12 to 15 years this neighborhood is going to go under because it's Mm -hmm. happened 99.9 percent of the times in history like you can feed it all information. that like every job will be taken over The singularity's problem, though, is that at some point, the processing power of those computers and of those devices becomes faster than we can react. Okay. So it doesn't matter whether or not—because, like, it's already—like, things have—like, AI has already shown in some ways that it will just do whatever it wants. Sometimes and mm-hmm. it will do things even that it's not programmed to
0: do well It doesn't even matter that it's doing things that it's not programmed to do that's that's even another step which is l- Possible or whatever, but even if it's even if we're taking that out of the equation Even if it's only doing things that it's programmed to do if it's programmed to make the best decision Let's just say that's like
1: makes the make the most efficient decision to save the most lives or, right. or whatever like or yeah like um, but we're still we are the ones as a programmers who are setting the qualifications on what is best but at some point that's gonna be taken over but why why does it have to be taken over if we're the ones that are saying this is most efficient but that isn't or like don't go this far well let's let's let me
2: answer your question with a question okay are you familiar with the trolley what's it called john the trolley trolley problem the the trolley problem uh was it featured in an episode of the good
1: place it was yes i am familiar with it
2: okay so you're familiar with the trolley problem. So the trolley problem is a famous thought experiment on ethics. So we're on a runaway trolley, we have a switch. If I turn if I do nothing, the trolley is going to crash into 30 people and kill them. Mm-hmm. If I pull the switch, it will kill 10 different people. Mm-hmm. What is the decision that I make there? Do I consciously choose to kill 10 people? Or do I choose to not not interact at all and just let things happen the way they are? There's no right or wrong answer in that question. Mm-hmm. It's it's an ethical dilemma. But but us as people would wrestle
1: with that differently than a completely logical computer, correct? Yeah, but you're assuming that there's a close enough ethical conviction with an artificial intelligence as there would be with human intelligence. And I don't believe ethics is something that is simply informational. I think ethics is something that is interwoven into a deeper sense of morality and uh, certain laws of survival that I don't think you can program into AI. Well, that's my point exactly.
2: If you can't program that into the AI, how is it going to make those decisions? And there's no reason to if,
0: think if that... Sa- if the robot says, like, hey, the Earth is, is going to be destroyed if these humans stay around, then I need to eliminate the humans because they are the biggest threat to the Earth and therefore to in my programming, which says eliminate... You know all of the biggest threats to whatever. Like this is all very ridiculous and yeah. Because at that point,
1: but- then you're basically saying that the this higher conscious, not consciousness, yeah. but this this artificial intelligence. That's right. what we're talking about here, is tied to so many. It's a to so many different worldwide infrastructures. Whether it's tied to you know water, electricity, mm-hmm. uh, weaponry, all that other stuff, that it will be able to make decisions to eliminate us and. I don't know. I mean, call me um naive, but I just I think that we'll always be a step ahead. So even if like in one part of the world, the 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 robots go haywire and start like shutting down water and electricity for people because Mm -hmm. it's trying to eliminate threats. I believe there's enough checks and balances on this entire globe, unless there is a globally linked artificial intelligence that can shut down the entire or attack the entire world at one time. I just think that we'll always be one step ahead because artificial intelligence will never have a consciousness that's tied to a survival instinct or even tied to a moral code that outdoes our survival instinct and our moral moral code.
2: But again, but you're still putting it into us. Like, the, it, it just doesn't matter because these, these computers, they're not trying to do anything better like or even like that like we that we're better cuz we're going to have this control over it we're going to do this like it is absolutely inevitable that we will hand over all control to these machines because there's no reason that, that's there's a, no logical that's reason That's an absolute not to. statement.
0: Yeah, you're making an absolute statement. That's that kind of a, necessarily I know. I agree with. Like w- imagine camping. You have you have no electrical, no computer right. information on you.
1: So why would in a situation where we do give full control I understand how that threat just skyrockets but your the basis of your argument is saying it is going to happen it is inevitable and it is unavoidable why wouldn't why wouldn't we as a
2: society hand over control to the, these things that are better at making decisions than us
0: i think i think that we will i'm just saying that it, it, yeah, you you it, can't. Yeah, you can't say it's going to happen. It's not. I mean, like, because we're argu- we're arguing about it right now. So you can't right. say that I am right because I'm right. Well, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Well,
2: it's just a, a matter of like how many times is it going to happen. So like, let's use self driving cars ex- as an example. Self driving cars get in accidents. Let's just throw a number out. We'll make it up. Self driving cars get in accidents ninety percent less than than human driving cars. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, the data will irrefutably support that it is irresponsible to let humans drive cars anymore yeah. and every
1: car has to do it. There will be people, because the instance is- yeah, so, so then we, we stop using those cars and so, we use different cars. What? We build other cars that don't rely on artificial intelligence.
2: No, but uh, m- what I'm saying is though, is like if there are cars out there driving people around mm-hmm. and there is irrefutable evidence that we will kill less people by having robots always driving them and taking away the authority of humans to drive cars, Humans will hand over car driving to, to, like, you could say, like, why don't we just not do that? Well, it's because that, that would be the same as being like, well, let's just go do something that's going to kill more people. Like we would do it we wouldn't do it because it's irresponsible. You're signing the death certificates of everybody who does that. So out of self preservation, we're gonna hand it over. So and we're gonna we're gonna continue doing that over and over because it's always gonna be better. They're gonna like it's it's not like it's gonna be like I'm saying it's gonna happen now, it's gonna happen in a hundred
1: years. Sure. I don't know when it's gonna happen. Sure. But it is inevitable that it will happen. I just I don't I think that's an I think though i understand why you're saying that based on how we are currently operating mm-hmm. that's to say that we're always going to think that way and i just we don't operate by the same moral and ethical codes per se that we did 500 years ago so no. why are we going to the next 500 years so why maybe at, at maybe in 500 years we're going to realize because of the natural resources that we are depleting from the earth mm-hmm. what is going to require to give so much power to artificial intelligence to avoid any and every kind of threat to human life that we rein back some of the technology because we're realizing that it's not sustainable for our planet. I just think to say that it absolutely 100% is going to go that way and the robots then will become this dangerous overlord, I just I don't see that as a foregone conclusion.
2: Personally. But you can't think as fast as a computer. That's the thing. So like that that scenario that you're talking about where we run out of... like We're like, oh, maybe, maybe in the future we determine we're, that the resource is determined to do this. But the computer in that future would be the most qualified to figure out the best scenario to fix ourselves in that problem. And I just
1: feel like you're stacking the deck at that point. I you're mean, saying that we will, by the time we realize it, it will be too late. And I'm saying, I think that it is more plausible... That we will figure it out Before it's too late It's just too
2: tempting I think For too many people Because there's there's So many possibilities For good To do that Like To hand over That much control To an artificial intelligence There's too much potential For good mm-hmm.
1: For the entire world To just agree Not to do it Yeah Your definition of good though I think Could change over time Agree. How you're defining What is good or best I think As we advance Might be redefined Yeah
0: It's tricky because it basically, any question that you can ask yourself about, like, could I do something this way, if you can answer it, well, like a computer could do it better or faster, if you can always say yes to that, which I think you can, you almost always can that nowadays and increasingly so, then that's where it gets to be the really quickly slippery slope. Like we were just talking about how Ryan, uh, our friend got married in 2012 and it was weird. In 2012, it was, like, weird that they met on Match.com. Like, yeah, it was almost like, like they had to, like, whisper it, like, you yeah, we met online. It's kind of like, and everybody's right. like, oh, you met online. there was a online? stigma attached yeah, it to it. Yeah, it weird, like, almost like, what, like, was something wrong with, and, like. And
2: I remember in that era, people would decide, like, are we going to tell
0: people we met online? Yeah. In just the short amount of time from 2012 to now, everyone meets online. I mean, it's like yeah. you don't most meet, people. I mean, it's, I would even say majority, like 99. Yeah. percent It's yeah. like it's weird that you don't meet online now. So, like in a very short amount of time, people have realized, hey, you know what does you, you know what the best um, way to meet people is? It's a computer. It's it's the artificial intelligence of cu- connecting with people over, and, and not that like the computer has become your relationship, but like that is a much better, faster, more efficient, more um, it's just a, it's a better way to meet. You're gonna. Yeah,
1: have, I I, th- I don't see that as apples apples because to me that's not artificial intelligence. it's as no, no, as no. as technology. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. It, just it, saying my, my shift. point.
0: Well, my point is like if there's any question in any job where you can say, can I do this this way with the old way, or will a computer do it faster or better? Mm-hmm. And almost everything you can think of, I think. A everything. computer, pretty much everything. A computer will do it better and faster than at the at the logical end of that is that computers run everything.
1: Right, but I just think that we are more than that as beings to place a value on efficiency. I think efficiency is important to us, which is why we're always advancing technology. But I'm going to use an example as why I think that we will right-size things before it gets well before it gets out of control. Because for the past year, um, we've been Zooming with Mm -hmm. school, we've been doing church, and we we are all agreeing that is not a true connection. Like There's still this need for face-to-face, person-to-person interaction, we have an awareness of certain intrinsic values that beyond technological efficiency, I think helps us kind of keep ourselves from going too far down that place where we're handing everything over to them. Um, And that's why someone who meets on Match.com doesn't get married on Match.com and doesn't be married on Match.com because at the end of the day, meeting in person, moving in together, all that other stuff holds a greater value than anything that technology can offer from an efficiency standpoint.
2: Yeah, but all the things we're talking about handing over to technology are the things that people try to take out of their lives. Work, uh, doctors, visits. It's like like going to the bar is the
0: annoying things. You you, You handed that over to the computer. Because going to the bar to meet people was annoying and frustrating so we handed that and, over to and, and, and inefficient. And, and, so it was, and to sure. your
2: point, like these fa- like these by handing more over to the computers, everything you just described that we were like, oh, this isn't the same, we will have more of that. The things that everybody says, the important things in life, the valuable things in life. Um, those are the things, like that's the Star Trek... Um, like the prediction of the Star Trek future is that they've they've created a world in which working is not a necessity. Now working is a thing you choose. How are you going to try to
1: improve yourself and mankind? That's your whole purpose. Right. But I just think our need for community, like almost in a tactile sense and that in that in person interaction with community, that mm-hmm. like th- that thirst and hunger, the desire for that is always a governor for protecting us from getting too far into that over-efficiency realm because, like, let's just use sports for an example. How long have they been broadcasting sports on TV? It's like the 1950s since there's ever been a TV, and they're still selling out games week after week after week all over the world. Why? Because even though I get a better view, get better uh, commentary and better slow-mo watching an NFL game on Sunday afternoon sitting in my comfy couch... I want to go to Soldier Field, and I want to see the Bears play. But you're talking subjective
2: things. You're not talking objective things. Whenever you can objectively prove something is better, then then you're getting in there, and that's what we're talking about. Even like no, but that's what
1: I'm saying. I think that we're we're defining differently what is objective. I'm saying there's something intrinsically interwoven into us that's tied to something that technology can never reproduce that will always keep us from going too far into technology. I think that
0: yes, like I agree with what you're saying too. That like we have like this intrinsic, um, need for human interaction. But I think that's almost like a different topic than like our need for, um, self, like gratification, like pleasure. And so that in comfort, that supersedes almost everything. So like we, we, like we were saying, we offload as people, we offload work, uh, if we can. Yeah. It's the difference
2: between living and surviving.
0: Because we can, because we can, and we're, we're imagining ways to, make work easier and more and more efficient in every single way like you'll have more time to go to the baseball game so people will be like yeah I'll, i will mm. gladly a ceo might like get rid of a bunch of people as his employees sure. in favor of one software program yeah i'll because be that to will save meetings. him money and let him go to the baseball game sure. so i agree with you that like people want to do the things that um they want to do and even if that's like human interaction but we don't we don't always see the human cost of our own pleasure like sure. comfort right seeking nature. And
1: I guess what I would say then is just like just in like a few hundred years of technological advancement I have not seen the I have not seen a power shift like at all. I've seen an efficiency shift. I've seen um the the ability to sort of like um do things in 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 ways with technology to help leverage what we want to get done, but I've I, and maybe I'm saying this from my perspective so maybe you would say you, you have seen a power shift I, I haven't really seen a power shift we just are doing things differently so instead of using you know axes and hammers and flint and steel more like we used to back in the day we're using other things to accomplish some of those things um, we're just using a more advanced version of those things to get done what we want to get done but it has not resulted in a power shift toward the technology
0: I think the other part of this is like it's not even necessarily that like anybody wants this future but it's inevitable it's like an it's an arms race. Inevitability. Like, think about how the arms race in the Cold War was like, nobody wants to build bigger missiles in order to use them. We just, are, we have to build them to prevent the other people from destroying us. So in the same way, we are advancing, I'm thinking about the military, like we have to be, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm, I, I have to believe that the military is working on advanced AI to be able to make rapid decisions to destroy certain targets faster than humans can, only because they think that the enemy is also working on that technology to be able to destroy us. So it's just an arms race. It's always an arms race. You always build yourself up because you're afraid of the other people. And so if we're doing that, even if they're not, we're afraid that they are, and they're probably doing that because they're afraid that we are. And so if we're all developing these AI that is, going to be the most efficient killing machines
1: i mean but we're making a lot of assumptions there because how is there is there a clear arms race where countries are using ai to outdo each other and kill each other well, more no, yes. well i don't know that, that is, i don't that, that that know about AI. Military ai being i oh hold on i'm talking about anything you, you can look at any other example to say definitively yes look at the space race like yeah right but but the difference is you're saying ai i'm saying like the in the arms race nuclear bombs could not make the choice to blow up well, no, no. Well, they couldn't in the 80s, but now, they might now, we don't know that. Well, also, but we don't know, that's well, my point. Well, yeah, but why
0: wouldn't we? Like, if, if you can imagine that like this would be better, which I can totally imagine, let's say, right now, all of a sudden you get an alert on your phone, Russia has just launched a nuke. Mm-hmm. Well, now, if our best defense right now, as the Americans, let's say you're the guy who has to make the decision, okay, should we nuke them, where did it launch from, where do we nuke back? Uh, Okay, so do we have to get this approval from this guy? Now I've got to go turn my key. If if all that is like your best decision, and then you can imagine, well, a computer could analyze the
1: situation and do it faster and better, you're going to give the power to the computer. But again, that's theoretical. We don't know that's how it is. Like, it would make sense for it to
0: be that way? Well, I'm just saying, if you can imagine that that's true, which
1: Uh, I I can, then they're working on it. Well, let's look at what's going on right now. Imagining, yes. But what if (laughs) the United States government realizes we need to have a human turnkey component here so that we're not giving 100% of everything over but to anyone. What AI.
0: I'm saying is like, don't you think that the Americans would say, or again, we're going back to these weird Cold War analogies, right. but like, <laughs> imagine, don't you think the Americans would say, yes, we think that we should have the human turnkey solution because that's gonna always be the ethical way to go, but aren't the Russians working on this really fast computer that can do it faster than us? We better have a computer that can do it fast. I know, if, I think... Like, you're gonna well, do look, that. You're look, saying
1: it, something that, just because something theoretically makes sense, you're assuming that you have all the information. That means that it means it's inevitable. And I'm saying I don't think that means that it's inevitable. Just because we can theoretically, I think say that arms makes races sense. are. It's never been disproven. No, no, like no. you have to, like you have to That's develop cool. something better than your
0: enemy. You ha- no. like I don't know, I don't know an cool. example where we've stopped an arms race just because we've been
1: like, uh, this doesn't seem right. But then again, we're at that same place that I was talking about a minute ago, where at some point the AI is going to make a decision even though I am the AI for the United States to fight off the Russians, I'm going to make decisions to eliminate my United States overlords. And that's where I'm going to back to my initial argument to say, I just don't see that happening. Like if it did, there's a glitch in the system. I'm not saying there couldn't something couldn't go wrong, and the U.S. accidentally nukes itself because. I don't. Of yeah, is, I don't. I don't think it'd be like that. I mean, I,
0: I, yeah, the it, end of the world could happen in a million different ways, but it could just be like, well, the only solution to stop us from being nuked is to nuke everybody else, and we're gonna we're gonna keep two percent of us because that's the only thing that can be saved. So I'm gonna nuke 98 percent of the world to keep two percent of the world. Sure. That's the most efficient logical solution to this problem. Like that is
1: in a vacuum of theoretics that I just, I just feel like is well, not as close to reality. Because you guys are saying, if it makes sense for things to be this way, then that is inevitably what it's going to be. And I'm saying there are other factors that could change whether or not that makes sense to say that that's inevitable. Well, let's look at it this way. So in in World War II, we had a series of guys who
2: would look to the skies, Um, looked to radar, looked to all kinds of things, determined that there was a German air raid coming into England, and they'd set off some sirens, they'd get out their flat cannons, guys would shoot at the sky, they would do it all all, all Mm -hmm. right there. It's all men doing it, making the decisions, watching. Now, uh, Hamas launches some rockets at Israel. Mm -hmm. How do they protect themselves? The dome. The dome does it for them automatically. They've handed over control of their skies and the safety of their civilians to the robots.
1: Actually, it, we don't know what all the factors in that are causing that system to work. Do you know how that system works? I know it's
2: at least a
1: semi-automatic
2: system and that
1: min- It's semi-automatic.
2: It's, and it's at least, it might be fully automatic, I don't know. But what I do know is that we've taken a system that used to be guys looking and pointing and pulling okay. a trigger, and now it's a computer analyzes and
1: shoots down- You're right, so well, there's an advancement in technology, so what's right? What's stopping it? Like, why? why where's because your logic in saying that it should? it's going to stop? Because it's so advanced, like if mm. I'm going to go down your guys' logic, mm-hmm. I would say it's so advanced, it is impossible for it to friendly fire because it advanced knows, can intuitively know I'm not supposed to fire on my own people. But we're not saying Why? it has to be friendly
0: fire or like it's gonna get smart enough no. to shoot on its own people. I'm saying like what's stopping it from malfunctioning even? Like let's say it could
1: malfunction. Oh no, I'm just what I'm yeah. saying.
0: So like let's say like it malfunctions and it shoots the Palestinians before it's even defending itself. Now the sure. Palestinians respond and they kill the Israel. I mean, like Okay. So what caused that war? To me, AI. that is completely different.
1: That is different from saying AI is going to take over the world, which is what we say a lot, or um, end the world. To me, that's saying technology has malfunctioned and caused a big mess. So I do think we need to be careful because with the more technology we have, the more responsibility there is, for mm-hmm. sure. I just
2: think it would be too bad if we, like, if we weren't aware that we could push ourselves too far with this. Agreed. And we always have to keep our eye on how far is too far
1: there you and I 100% agree
2: yeah so whether or not uh, this Google advancement is gonna actually be the thing that ends us I think the thing that it has done a drastic thing for is made a major leap forward in AI it's interpretive and communication skills just went up drastically is it it all bad uh is it all bad could be
1: I don't think it is I think it's fine (sighs)
0: all right well we are we're probably never gonna solve this um
2: yeah, I mean, we—if you've listened to this podcast—we debate about the end of the world and AI. This is a, a continuing thing, so I'm sure we will we'll get into it more. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, leave a comment uh, wherever you're listening uh, to this podcast. We'd love to
0: hear what you have to say. AI, please tell us what you think of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, I'm Danny Gula. I'm John Stone. I'm producer Jeff McCullough. See you next time.